Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. You might notice I sound a little froggy. I apologize. Uh, this time of year has been rough at my house. And uh, we know we don't have COVID. We got tested, so it must be true. And uh, we're good. We don't have COVID. But we have been absolutely, we've had our tails kicked in the last three weeks now. Heather and I have been sick going on three weeks. I don't know if it's physical or spiritual. I don't know what it is, but it's got to stop. Amen. So uh, bear with me as I sound a little nasally this morning, but I've got a word for this house today. Amen. I've got a word for us. This is a season definer. This is a game changer. Amen. I'll just go on and tell you the title if that's all right. Title is When God Declares a New Day. When God Declares a New Day. Amen. There's an anticipation in my spirit. It's something that God's been leading up to through December. On Wednesday nights, we talked about courage and the courage that it takes to obtain the promises that God has for us. And those of you that have been coming on Wednesday nights, you're gonna hear some of that in this message. But I just can't get away from it. I can't get away from it. And what's in my spirit is telling me that God is speaking a new day. Amen. He's speaking a new day, a new beginning for this house and for your house. Amen. It's not just about what happens here in the, inside these four walls. Amen. It's here to benefit what happens inside your four walls. What happens for your kids and grandkids. Amen. Yeah, it, it, you know, we're at New Year's and it makes sense for us to be talking about a new day, but we don't have to wait till January 1st to have a new day experience with the Lord. Amen. God can bring a new day any day. Any day. And yeah, we've passed it in resolutions. Anybody, anybody already failed on your resolution? Oh, you guys are tough. All right. That's cool. Whether or not you can uphold a resolution, it doesn't matter because our God is a God of new days. Amen, and he can step into the middle of a situation and speak newness and bring new life and new direction, amen. We're gonna be in Exodus, we're gonna be in Numbers, we're gonna be in Joshua today. We're gonna be in Exodus chapter 12 to start. Starting in verse one, it says, the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month you shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Verse 6 says, You'll keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They shall take of the blood, strike it on the two posts, side posts, and the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. When the Lord declares, when God declares a new day. Let's pray. Father, we ask you right now to give us hearing ears. Open up this word to us. Lord, I know based on what you've been doing in the altars already today, God, that you're speaking a word of newness to people. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, that, that this word would become good seed upon the good ground of our hearts. Lord, that it would produce fruit that remains in this people. That it would give direction to this house and to all the houses that are represented here. We thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. Moses and his brother Aaron were in Egypt. They were doing God's work. They were seeing signs and wonders. They had seen nine plagues to this point. 
nine attacks upon the culture of Egypt. The Bible tells us that each of the plagues was designed by God to assault the deities that the Egyptians worshipped, the gods that they worshipped. So over a span of time, not only was God freeing his people, but he was dismantling and destroying this perception of deity, what it meant to be a god in Egypt. Amen? God was superimposing his authority and his will upon the Egyptian people in a way that we've not seen since in the world. And here, as this is progressing, they're coming up at the end of the whole ordeal, and the 10th plague is on the horizon. And with this plague, this last plague, this sense of change was in the air. Have you ever had a sense of change? Have you ever sensed that something was about to be different? Amen? That's what's been in my spirit the last few weeks, that there's a change coming. And as Moses and Aaron are continuing to do the work of God, they're preparing the people, they know it's all about to wrap up, God declares to them that a new day has come. God says to Moses and Aaron, he says, I've got to reorient you away from all the timing, all of the culture, all of the stuff that you associate with progress and change. Think about that. Think about that. What do we associate with progress and change in our culture? What are the, the landmarks that we look for for things to change? Do we look for drastic things? Do we look for this or for that? Whatever it is, God says to Moses and Aaron and essentially to the people of Israel, I'm gonna reorient you to my timing. That's what he's saying. Today, he says, is gonna be a new day, a new month, a new year. It's all starting. Everything from here on out is going to have to do with what happens in the next few days. That's what he's saying to the people. Such a change is coming that you're gonna measure it all from the, near, from the future on out. You're gonna measure it all against this new day. When God declares a new day, there's change that comes. Every time you encounter God's work in your life, you have an opportunity for a new day, amen? Although all these plagues had come, now the people were on the edge of vast transformation. The people were on the edge. In just 15 days' time, 400 years' worth of slavery was going to end. Generations of men and women who had grown up under the whip and lash of another culture was about to end. A new day was dawning for God's people. A new day was on the horizon and God says, I wanna orient you to my timing because my timing is bigger than culture. It's bigger than what's around you. What you've known your whole life doesn't matter when it comes to God's timing, amen? What you've come up in or come up under doesn't matter when it comes to God's timing, amen? Because when God speaks a new day, everything changes. Everything changes. And if you don't reorient yourself to God's timing, then you'll fall back into Egypt. You'll fall back into Egypt. Now, we know the story of, of the Israelites. We see it from this macro view from Scripture. We see the, the bondage. We, we really can go all the way back to Abraham and the prophecy in Genesis 15 that his descendants would serve another nation for 400 years. And we go all the way through Joseph and Jacob and all the process and everything that happened. And while it is their history, this is the history of a people, of a nation. This literally happened to them. Just like we have the 4th of July and the Battle of Lexington and Concord. This is their history. But for us, it's also a pattern for the Christian life. 
It's a pattern. We get to see it in the macro, whereas they lived it day by day, year by year for hundreds of years. They went into Egypt, they went to the wilderness, and then they went to the promised land. We see it from this overarching view. The reason we get to read and talk about it is because it's a symbol and pattern of our journey from the world of sin into the Christian life of purpose that we find ourselves in. When we encounter Jesus, we are set free from Egypt, amen? Egypt is a type for the world, for sinful bondage. And just like when God sent the Israelites a deliverer, God sends us a deliverer, doesn't he? He sends us a deliverer. Do you remember where you were when somebody showed up preaching about a God that could make you free? Amen, do you remember where you were when God showed up and said, hey, I can do more with you than the world could ever do with you? I remember where I was. I was a seven-year-old kid. I was in the old sanctuary. And Dr. Ken Green came and preached a revival 29 years ago. And he talked about Jesus. And I had prayed it several times. But that night, I was the one that raised my hand. And that night, I was the one that got saved. And it stuck. There was a new day that began in my life. At seven years old, almost eight years old. I remember that day, that new day experience when Egypt, everything that was in Egypt that was in me was challenged by this news that God could do more with me. Amen? You remember the day. And as we journey with the Lord a long time and we find ourselves in wilderness seasons, we find ourselves journeying along the way and we, we get stuck sometimes. We need a new day sometimes. We make bad decisions sometimes. Am I the only one? Anybody else ever made a bad decision since you met Jesus? Since you got out of Egypt, you ever done something stupid? Amen, you found yourself in a situation you weren't meant to be in. And yet God's promises never change. And yet God's declaration of newness never ends and never changes. We were enslaved in Egypt. We had no hope. We had no way out. And then God showed up and declared to what bound us, let my people go. God showed up and said, hey, you can be free. You can be free. It can be a new day. You don't have to be what you've always been. They'd been slaves for 400 years, but in 15 days time, they were gonna be free people. Masters of their own destiny within the confines of God's word. Lots of people don't connect those two. You don't get to dictate your destiny outside of God's word. I can't have what God has for me and do my thing. I've gotta do it his way to have what God has for me. But God declares a new day. And he declared the new day to Moses and his people and soon after they were completely set free. Friend, sinner, believer, veteran believer, you too can have a new day today. That's the good news of the gospel. You can have a new day. It doesn't matter if you've had a thousand new days before this. Today can be a new day experience. It doesn't matter what's been going on the last three weeks, the last month, the last six months, the last year, good Lord, the last two years. It doesn't matter. When God declares a new day, nothing can change it, amen? Nothing can change it. It doesn't matter if you made a bad decision, ended up in situations you ought not be in. Today, God is speaking a new day for you. A new day. Maybe it's a new day away from sin and bondage. Maybe it's a new day out of addiction. Maybe it's a new day stepping toward your purpose again. Maybe it's a new day being healed instead of messed up and crippled. God's got a new day a new day for his people, and we might as well have the new day today. 
We might as well move to a new day today. Why go into 2022 with all the uncertainty? Why go in again and do this same thing over again? Why yield to hysteria again? Why give in to fear again? Amen. It's been two years. Can we stand up? Can we say that God has been good? He's been faithful. He's brought so many of us through it. He's brought us through it. We're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. The season you've been in, the bondage you've grown up in, whatever you see as normal can all end today when God speaks a new day. God is speaking a new day today for someone and he can speak a new day for you any day that you choose to encounter him. God had to disconnect the system of time that the Israelites had grown up under and reorient them to his timing. And this is how it works with us. How many times in our Christian journey have we had those new day experiences? And while maybe everything in life doesn't change, within us we feel like something has completely flipped over. Have you had those experiences? Those landmark moments where somebody brought a word and it changed everything. Those moments where you prayed only to God, you told nobody about it and he did it. Those moments where he truly made a way where there was no way. Those new day experiences, we cannot forget them. We need to allow them to reset within us, to reorient within us, out of culture, out of the world, and back to him. Back to him. Maybe your marriage needs to be reoriented. Maybe your relationship with your kids needs to be reoriented. Let God give you a new day today. Let God give you a new day today. The guilt can be reset and taken away, amen? The pain can be healed and taken away, amen? All because God declares a new day. We know the story of Israel continues to the miracle at the Red Sea. And then on the other side of the Red Sea, within just a few weeks, the great failure with the golden calf and the Ten Commandments. And then it ultimately culminates on the edge of the promised land, the edge of another new day. Months later now, after the Exodus, they get to the edge of the promised land in Numbers chapter 13. And God instructs Moses to send spies into the promised land to spy out the goodness of the land, the strength of those who occupy it. Numbers 13, 17, it says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, get you up this way southward into the mountains and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the, what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And this is important. And be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. It takes courage, church, to walk into a new God-ordained day. It takes courage to say, what has happened to this point stops today. It takes courage to stand up and say, this will not be a year like the last two years. Amen? This will not be a year like the last 10 years or the last 20 years. I will not go another day bound. I will not go another day pushed down or beat down. I will move into a new day. I'm gonna take courage. Courage means that you've got to be brave that you're going out into the unknown. Specifically in the Hebrew, here courage means, 
It means to bind yourself to or to take hold of. To bind yourself to or to take hold of. That means you've got to go all in on God's new day. All in. Haven't we journeyed long enough with the Lord, many of us, to know that being halfway in or partly in doesn't bring the newness and the promise that God has? Does anybody know that from experience? Where you get a little bit in. You dip your toe like porky pig into the water. You get a little bit in. You can't decide. You get on the fence maybe, 50-50. And we know that that doesn't work. It doesn't last. It doesn't create newness. It doesn't create change and transformation. It takes courage to walk into a new God-ordained day. We've got to bind ourselves to it. If God says today is a new day, you gotta go all in. If God says no more fear from this day forward, you gotta go all in. That means you gotta reject fear. That means every time it pops up, you gotta cast it down. You gotta throw the word of your God at it. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. If you've got fear, God didn't give it. Why go another day living in it? Why go another day yielding to hysteria? Why go another day afraid of something you can't see? Why go another day afraid of the devil who can't beat you? If he could beat you, you'd be dead by now. Why go another day yielding? God has courage for you, church. God has courage for you, for your marriage, for your kids, for your grandkids, for your job, for this house, for the mission of this house. God has courage for us. There's enemies, there's enemy occupiers, there's territory that he's promised that we don't have yet, but he's got courage for us. He doesn't want us sitting on the other side of the promise saying, I'd go in, but it's kind of scary. I'd go in, but that looks hard. But that's what happened. That's what happened. Numbers 13, 26, they went and they came to Moses. They, they journeyed throughout the length and breadth of the land for 40 days. And then in verse 26, they come to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. And they brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came into the land where you sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. And at that moment, they lift up this huge cluster of grapes, the Bible says. It was so big, it took two men to carry it between two sticks. You ever seen grapes that big? Me either. Me either. So they say, surely it flows with milk and honey. Surely. No debate. No doubt about it. And here's the fruit. Now you would think at that moment that everybody would be quite amped up. It's like Nathaniel giving his testimony where we're all like, yeah, God did it, that's awesome. But for God to do more, that means we're gonna have to have more of those situations. Amen? Anyway, the people continue to listen to the report. It says, nevertheless, verse 28, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Anak was a, a giant very large man, and his descendants were very large as well. Verse 29, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And this is the report. Surely it flows with milk and honey. 
Let's bring it home. Surely God has promised us this city. Surely God has promised you your children and your grandchildren. Surely, and here's the fruit of it. Nathaniel got healed. Nathaniel got healed. That's one. Leora's been healed. Amen. How many children are in this house that ought not be here? Because the doctor said their parents couldn't have them, but here they are. Here's the fruit of it. But there's enemies there. But the cities are great. The people that dwell in the land are strong. The enemy spirits that inhabit Winchester won't give up without a fight. They're not just gonna bow down and roll over. They wanna keep your kids, you know that, right? They wanna keep them. They wanna destroy them. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Those people that you knew when they were little and they were just little kids and now they're bound up and messed up in drugs and perversion and all these different things. That's the enemy's plan for them. But here's the fruit of what God can do. Cancers are healed. Tumors are, are removed. Growths are, are wiped away. Bodies are raised up. Families are created. But there's enemies there. But there's enemies there. This is the report. And the people at this point, they listen to the report and they hear the news that the Amalekites are in the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are in the mountains and the Canaanites are by the sea and by the coast. What they were saying is if we go in there, we're gonna be surrounded. We're gonna be surrounded. They're on the edge of a new day, church. They're on the cusp of a new day, another new day. They've been made free. They've been free for months now. And they go in, they scout out the promises of God. They see what God can do. They see the fruit of it. They get their glimpses of God's providence and power. But there's enemies there. Are we going to forfeit our inheritance because somebody else is occupying it right now? This is the question. Are you gonna allow that enemy to dominate your generations because he's the devil and he says he's stronger than you. The devil's a liar, by the way. If he tells you anything, you better believe it's not true. And especially if he tells you he's stronger than you are, you better believe it's not true. Amen? Caleb, in verse 30, stilled the people before Moses. They lost it. They freaked out. And said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Literally in the Hebrew, he uses the same phrase three times when he says we are well able to overcome it. He says, we are able, we are able, we are able. Caleb, the 11th spy, one of the other guys, he saw the same things the 10 guys saw. He saw the same stuff, but he believed in the new day that God was proclaiming. He believed in the promise and the inheritance that God had for them. And he says, we are able, we are able, we are able, amen? We are able, but my kids are bound. You are able, amen? But, but this city's going down. God says we're able. We are able, we are able. Are we gonna sit back and let an enemy intimidate us? Or are we gonna acknowledge that we are able? Are we gonna go another year just trying to have church? Or are we gonna take ground? Amen? Are you gonna go another year just trying to stay saved enough to get to heaven? Or are you gonna get some strength in your journey? Some power inside your spirit? 
Let some gifts and some fruit grow in you. That's gonna outlast this junk around us. What are we gonna do? They're on the edge of a new day and we know the outcome. We know the outcome. They chose fear over courage. God told them, be of good courage, but they chose fear. They chose doubt over faith. And because of that, there was an entire generation that would never see the new day that God promised. How sad. You come out of Egypt. These people saw things we'll never see. They saw fire fall. They saw frogs come up out of the ground. They saw a river turn to blood. Things that have never happened since. And they still did not have the faith to believe that God could help them overcome. They still did not have the faith to believe it. Let us not choose fear and miss our new day. Let us not choose to remain in a wilderness doomed to never see the fullness of what God promised. Let us not choose to plateau and decline and grow and plateau and decline. Let us not choose as individuals or as a church. God will not force us to have new day experiences. We can miss them. We can reject them. We can choose other options. Remember, he's not like the devil. He's not gonna put you in a headlock and drag you into the promises that he has for you. God declares that Israel must wander in the wilderness for 40 years and an entire generation must die before they can enter the new day he had planned for them. This happens sometimes. The wilderness, as we look at the overarching narrative of the story, the wilderness for us, Egypt was sin and bondage. The wilderness is sanctification where he's sanctifying you. What does that mean? It means that he's transforming you from a regular human to one that looks and acts and thinks and talks like Jesus. That's what sanctification is. Normal people react like that. Sanctified people react like Caleb. Normal people see God's promises and they see the enemy. They hear that there even could be an enemy and they say, I don't know if I can do that. People who are bought into the new day, they're the ones that say, we are able, we are able, we are able. And God has to take Egypt, has to take Israel through a process of sanctification because he's got to clean Egypt out of them. He's got to clean the world out of us sometimes. Have you ever had, had God clean the world out of you sometimes? Amen? You ever had him have to clean a habit out of you or a mindset, a way of perceiving the world and interacting with it? God has to wash us from Egypt sometimes. There's things from Egypt that would wreck your promised land if it were to get in. There's things that are in, you, in us sometimes that would limit and diminish the new day that God's promised. So sometimes we gotta circle the mountain again. We gotta go walk in the wilderness again because we haven't learned just yet. I'm telling you, I've, I've circled some mountains I've wandered sometimes. Anybody else been like that? Hey Amen. this isn't a thing for perfect people. It's not at all. But there's a point where a new day comes and everything changes. Hey Amen. they had an opportunity for a new day and they missed it. God's promises are too big to trade for Egypt. 40 years later, when the opportunity for the new day came back around, a new generation rose to meet the opportunity. There's good news in the fact that 
even though one generation may choose not to participate in what God is doing. It doesn't cancel the promises. It doesn't cancel the promises that God said. It doesn't cancel the fact that there's a new day opportunity out there. Now, God in his goodness might have to raise up a whole new generation who will choose to act upon it. And that's what he did for the Israelites. This time, Joshua sends only two spies. I think he learned from his past experience, didn't he? The men are sent into Jericho in the middle of the country from the camp of Israel on the other side of Jordan. And immediately they were identified. The people knew immediately who they were. These guys don't fit. These guys don't belong. Side note, let us not be people that blend in so well that people don't notice that we're gods. Amen? People need to know that we belong to him. We ought to look a little different and be a little different. We ought not be all the things that culture says that we ought to be. How do we lead people to a newness of life when we look and act like them? And think and talk and do everything like them. Amen? Doesn't mean you get to be rude, though. I'm going on this tangent. It doesn't mean you get to be rude or mean. It doesn't mean you get to degrade people and tell them they're going to hell and they're sinners and they're terrible people. They know that. They know how bad they are. You don't get the right to tell people how bad they are because you're not. Amen? All right, I'm gonna move on. They didn't look like the world, and, and they knew it. The king's men are sent to pursue the spies. They go to Rahab, the prostitute's house. This is where the spies go. That's where they were last seen. The king's men follow shortly thereafter, and she lies to them, and she tells them that the spies had left the city at dusk when they shut the gate. And she basically says to them, hey, if you hurry, you might catch them. They're going back toward their camp. So the king's men speed off, and what they don't know is that Rahab has actually hidden these two spies on the top of her house on the city wall. And she had laid them under some branches that she was drying on the, on the roof, and uh, nothing out of the ordinary there. But then they have this amazing conversation. In Joshua 2, 8, it says, And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Fascinating. Two guys, they're to spy it out. They go to a brothel to hide out. And the prostitute that runs the joint says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. They've never met her. They've never been there before. They're in new territory. They're in promised territory, but they've not been there before. She says, all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Faint, in the Hebrew, means to melt. Literally, it means to soften, flow down, and disappear. Like ice cream on a hot sidewalk. Right? Melt. And just beat her away. To melt. All the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt, 
Wait a second. New day experience. 40 years earlier, the ancestors of these spies failed to seize the opportunity. They failed to act upon the new day that God had given. 40 years earlier. What they didn't know was the things that God had been doing went ahead of them into their new day. They went ahead of them into their new day. There were people 40 years ago who heard about the Red Sea. They heard about what happened when they came out of Egypt. They heard about, she says, what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. These were two kings that they saw as powerful warriors, powerful kingdoms. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. I want to draw a contrast here. When you go back to the story of the spies, the spies said to Moses and the congregation, they said, there are giants in the land, they're everywhere. The land swallows up the inhabitants thereof. It's, it's, sure, it's filled with milk and honey and, and fruitfulness, it's awesome, but it's terrifying, it's scary. And they say, I believe it's in verse 33 of that chapter, Numbers 13, they say, and we are in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. This is, a, this is a principle of a spiritual journey, okay? This is a principle of the kingdom of God. If you see yourself as less, your enemy will see you as less. If you see yourself as inferior, your enemy will tell you that you're inferior. Amen? They saw themselves that way. But what is so amazing to me is that while they saw themselves as grasshoppers, the very enemies that they thought were so huge were terrified of them. They were terrified of them because they knew what God could do. They heard about the Red Sea. They heard about Egypt. They heard about the Amalekites. They heard about all the stuff that God had done for them. And they said, what can we do against people like that? And so many of us sit on that green seat every week wondering if we can be what God has for us to be. And God says, your enemies are shaking in their boots. They're scared to death that you're gonna show up one day. They're scared to death. Rahab tells them, we know the land is yours. Your terror is upon us. Our hearts melted when we heard. Our strength, it says, neither did there remain any more courage in any man. God says, I've got courage for you and your courage is gonna take away the courage of your enemy. If you will have courage toward him, he will wipe away the courage of your adversary. How do we know this? What happened when Jesus showed up places? Let's bring it New Testament. And I'm almost done. When Jesus would show up, almost everywhere he went, every region, almost every place he went, he would encounter a demoniac, someone who was possessed or oppressed by a demonic spirit. In every encounter, did those spirits ever puff up and get in his face and tell him what they were gonna do to him? Did they ever stand up and tell him where he ought to go? Not one time. What did they do? They hit the floor. They fell to their knees. 
They put their face on the ground. They cried out and they said, Jesus, son of the most high, what have we to do with thee? Have you come here to destroy us? Have you come here to wipe us out? We don't even know if he would do that. They thought he could. Why? Because what God was doing through him was going ahead of him. It was going ahead of him and it was hitting the ears of his enemies. And those demonic spirits, when they saw him, they gave up. They didn't fight. They hit the floor. This is the condition of those occupying the promised land. Listen, church, the promised land is not a pattern or an allegory for heaven. We don't fight battles in heaven. There's no enemies there. Amen? The promised land is a pattern and a type for your God-given purpose being lived out in the earth. That's what it is. It's about God showing you how to fight and thrive, be surrounded by enemies, but have a table prepared for you in the midst. It's about you becoming all that God has purposed for you to be in a new day experience, after new day experience, after new day experience. It's about us achieving and conquering the land God's called us to. And I don't know if you know it or not, but God's called you to this place. Not just this place. He's called you to Winchester and Mount Sterling and Richmond and Paris and Lexington. He's called you. This is your promised land. Well, what about Winchester as a promised land? You know what? Fair point. All I know is that it's where God told me I ought to go. It's where God said I, I need to be over and over again. This is where my inheritance is. This is where my enemies are. And those enemies have heard what God can do. Oh, they know he can heal cancer. Amen. Oh, they know that he can set the captive free. They know. They know that it doesn't matter how many demons somebody's got. There's enough authority in this people and in this house to set anyone free. They know that addicts don't stay addicts when they come into this place. Right? They know their families are restored. Marriages are restored. Relationships are uplifted. They know that children become more than what's come to them because of this people. Our hearts didn't melt and there was no courage left in us because of you. Church, sorry, we've got enough. I saw some people jump. Still awake. We've got enough stuff going before us that our enemy cannot stop us, amen? We've got enough word out there. We've got enough promise out there, enough fruit, enough testimony. The enemy knows that he doesn't stand a chance when we show up. So let's go. So let's go. We are able. We are able. We are able to set the addict free. We are able to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the captive, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the, the acceptable year of the Lord. All these things that he's here to do. And then he says, you go do it too. And every enemy we encounter in our kids, our grandkids, our coworkers, in Walmart, in Kroger, at the park, every enemy we encounter, don't be afraid of them. Amen. Don't give in to them. Don't be mean to the people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But the spirit that's behind them is terrified of you. 
He's terrified of you. Stand with me this morning. This tank's about empty. It's amazing that fear kept people from winning a sure victory. You with me? Fear and doubt kept people from winning a sure victory. Those enemies are terrified of us. We pray, and I know you've prayed this way before. I've prayed this way before. With a little bit of trepidation. You ever prayed with trepidation? Listen, this is a hard church to be part of sometimes. We're, we're big destiny people. We have this keen awareness that there's always something bigger happening. Amen, and that goes back to the foundations that he's laid. We have this awareness that there's something more at stake. And there's a burden that comes with that. That means if you're gonna make it here, you've gotta endure a little bit. It means that you gotta keep hearing about mission and purpose. And sometimes it means that you're like, oh, I don't wanna fight the devil again. Anybody ever said that? I don't wanna fight the devil again. I'm tired of fighting the devil. Would he just give up and go away? Oh, that'd be easy. It's like pastors said for years, it's not crown time yet. It's sword time. Today is an opportunity for a new day at Church of the Living God, for this house and for your house. Today, can we make a determination within ourselves? Listen, you might be somebody here You've got a life full of mess-ups and mistakes. You've lived more in Egypt than you've lived anywhere else. Get that, totally. I hate that for you. But can I tell you that Jesus can get you out of Egypt? Jesus can set you free from your addiction, from your pain. Jesus can set you free from your heritage, from all that's come to you. You need a new day, friend. You need a new day. And there's people here this morning, they need a new day with Jesus. They need to meet Jesus. But there's also believers here today who've been stuck in a rut. You've been stuck. And yeah, COVID's had something to do with it. Culture's had something to do with it. Politics, whatever. Doesn't matter. You need a new day. A new day of power. A new day of purpose. No more just sitting on the seat hoping it's a good service, so I come out feeling good. You need a new day. I wanna invite you this morning. Our ministers are gonna come. I wanna invite you to come up and let's ask God for a new day. Come on, why, why wait? Why go another year? Why keep on? Why keep on? Why sit here in fear of an enemy that's terrified of you, amen? Come on, come on, come on. New day, come on, you're in here. I know you're in here. Come on, a new day. God, we need a new day in this house. God, we need a new day in our house. A day of health in Jesus' name. We need a new day, come on, come on. It's 12.30, 12.40, it's okay. Hey Amen, it's okay. It can wait a little bit longer. New day, get your hands up and say, God, I need a new day. God, I need a new day in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. We're going to pray with you. They're going to sing something. Don't spectate. Don't stop.
New day. God, declare a new day. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.